you have your Bible with you this morning, I encourage you always to bring your Bible. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to talk about a lady by the name of Mary. But not the Mary you're thinking I'm going to talk about. Not Mary, Joseph, and the child. I'm talking about Mary of Bethany this morning. Mary of Bethany. We find her, find her in several places through the scripture. But this morning in Mark chapter 14, in verse 1, we're going to read about her. And something significant she has done. You're going to have a Bible with you. There are red books right there in front of you, the Bible, the King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like to read along with us, but Mark chapter 14, verse 1, this morning after two days was the feast of the Passover and the unleavened bread. The chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not, not the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people and the, being in Bethany. In the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat. There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. It had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, for ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is beforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for memorial of her. Verse 10, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when he had heard it, when they had heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Father, we thank you again for this time that we can gather together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ and look at your wonderful world. We thank you, God, for how precious it is to us, and we thank you for the promises we find in it. We thank you for the provision, Lord, it provides for us. It is our daily bread that is more important than that which we put in our mouths. It sustains us. It supplies us. It strengthens us. Oh, we're so thankful for your precious word. And so this morning, I pray, God, you give us, once again, I ask for ears to hear. And I ask you would do what I cannot do this morning. I ask you speak to the hearts of men and women and boys and girls, whoever hears this message. May Jesus Christ be preached, be praised. May he be preached. May he be published. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I love about Christmas time, among the many things, is the music. I love singing these old songs. No, not, not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or Frosty the Snowman, or Santa Claus is Coming to Town, though I have to admit I probably sang those a few times too. What I really, really love is the Christmas hymns, like the ones we sang this morning. Angels we have heard on high, Silent Night, songs like Away in the Manger. There's so many songs that focus the whole world on a particular, not just event, not just day, but on Jesus. I was unsaved, 
Wade Hampton High School, Wade Hampton in Taylor, South Carolina. And I sang in the choir. And I was unsaved young man singing in the choir. We'd often sing the Handel's Messiah. We would often sing other Christmas carols about Christ. But I, had, I was religious, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know why I sang what I sang. This morning, we look at this, we look at this lady, and we see this woman who came to Jesus, Miss Mary of Bethany, which Bethany is not too far outside the city of, of Jerusalem. And by the grace of God, next month I will get to see Bethany. I want to thank every one of you for, for giving towards that cause. I'm not going for entertainment. I'm going for education and by the grace of God to help us and help me in understanding that wonderful land where Jesus walk, walked. But she came, and she came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever thought about worship? Thought about it? We hear about, we hear the phrase. The phrase, the word worship is used over a hundred times in the Bible. Jesus said in John chapter 4, 23, But the hour cometh and is now when the true worshiper shall worship Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. A whole lot of folks worship Jesus in spirit. Just turn on TV. You'll see some people doing some crazy things in the, in so-called the spirit. I'm not sure it's the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit, all right. You see people worship in spirit. But the problem is they don't worship in truth. And some folks worship in truth, but it's just dead as a doordell. There's just dead orthodoxy. But dear friend, it must be in spirit and in truth. That's what he said. So we come before him worshiping by the grace of God in spirit and truth. A.W. Tozer which I encourage you to read many great things he wrote. One of them, worship and entertainment. Worship is the, to, is the feel and the heart and the express in the appropriate manner of a humbling but delightful sense of admiring, admiring awe, admiring awe. Worship is to honor with ex, ex, uh, extravagant love and extreme submission, Webster tells us. In creation, worship God. Psalm chapter 96, verse 11, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the seas war, let the fullness thereof, let the field be joyful, all that is in therein, then let, shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. And if heaven, if, if the creation should rejoice, should not I as his, as the creation rejoice as well and praise him as well? Psalm 52, verse 9, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. When's the last time you just, you just praised the Lord? When's the last time instead of asking for something, begging for something, complaining about something, having that Santa's list or that, that wish list for God, that you just didn't use that list. You just simply praised him for his goodness. Praised him for his grace. Praised him for all that he's done for you. You are alive today because of almighty God. He gives you breath. He gives you ability to see and to hear and to feel and to think. And all that you have and all that you do, did have had and all that you will have is only because of Jesus Christ. In him we consist. And we can, in him we consist. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him? This morning we're looking at a woman who responded to Jesus with wonderful worship. You see, our worship should become before our work. Our worship, and it's a pattern you can see through the scriptures, of we worship him, and then we work. And on this Lord's Day, before we go work tomorrow, 
it's good that we come before him in worship. What was so unique about Mary's worship of Jesus? First of all, we see Mary's concern. We see Mary's concern. If you're concerned about somebody, if you care for somebody, if you are really invested in somebody, you're going to, there's some liability in that. And all the parents said, well, that was quiet. <laughs> all the parents said, amen, that's a little bit better, amen. You parents who had children, there's some responsibility, there's some liability in that. I was supposed to pick up my daughter from Bob Jones University last Thursday. She texted me Monday and said, Dad, would you come get me? I said, you really, really, really want me to come get you? She said, yeah, really, really, really. So you know what Dad did? I got in a rental car, and I went to Greenville, South Carolina to pick her up. Why? Because I'm her dad. That's just what we do. Amen. Every man, every woman who has had children, you understand that. There's a liability in that. Religious leaders of the day didn't like the fact that Jesus was worshipped by Mary. Why? We see in verse 1, after two days, the feast of the Passover, the unleavened bread, and the chief priests, scribes, saw the hay made taken to craft and put him to death. And they, but they said, not the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. They had a plan. What was their plan to kill him? But they had a problem, Passover. Remember Passover? If you remember Passover from the book of Exodus, that's why it's good to read the Old Testament. Passover is the time when the children of Israel, they celebrate the time where they were not judged. And the death angel passed over them because the blood was applied to the, lamp, the, the post of the, their house. Remember the ten plagues and the last one was the death angel? The, the purpose of all these things was for their people to be let go out of Egypt. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He hardened his own heart, but eventually God used that last plague to cause his people, the Israelites, the Jews, to flee. And all the children, all the firstborn would die except for those in the house where the blood was posted. So they were celebrating this time. This is somewhere in the early, month, early days of April 2022, 2023, that we'll it again. So they were celebrating this time. They knew if this was the time they were going to take him, it would not be appropriate time because the uproar of the people. She was, she was misunderstood by the religious leaders. She was misunderstood by Judas. Judas, if you read this, this in the four Gospels, you see this person who complained about her giving the gift was really Judas. Judas, who was among, among them, Judas, who, who, who held the bag, he held the money. He complained the fact that this money that was, was given or this, this sacrifice which was done could have maybe given to the poor or done something else given to it. He didn't understand her, and oftentimes in life, you know, you'll be misunderstood because of your worship. But worship, dear friend, is not just something we do on Sunday. It's something we do always. But we, everything we, we do, even in the worship service, is part of that worship, our prayer, our singing, our giving. Your, your giving is worship. You're listening right now. You're participating. It's worship. And responding is worship. A.W. Tozier went on to say, I cannot joyfully worship God on Sunday and not worship God on Monday. Tomorrow morning as you go to work, you're worshiping the Lord. Lady, as you're washing the dishes and guys as you're cutting the grass and men as you're killing those, those fire ants for the how many time this year. It's all part of worship. It's worship. Whether we eat, drink, or whatever we do, we owe all in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? We worship him. We worship him. This woman, Mary, would be misunderstood by the religious leaders, by Judas, and even her own sister. This is the Mary who had a sister by the name of Martha. 
the disciples and Jesus came to their house one day. And Martha was busy. The Bible says that King James says she was cumbered about. She would mean she was caught up in it. I mean, she was there, you know, making the business and gravy. She was there with the grits. You know where I'm from. She was there with the purple. I don't know what all they ate. I'm just telling you what I wish I could have ate that day. She was there cumbered about. She was cleaning the house, getting everything ready for Jesus and disciples to come. And what was, what was, what was Mary doing? Instead of doing all that stuff, she was at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Jesus. She was being still and worshiping Jesus. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Yes, the, not only did Martha misunderstand her and, the, and Judas misunderstood her and the religious leaders misunderstood her. The Lord, we realize that the world misunderstands us. Misunderstands us. I'm sure people will think you're crazy next week we come to church. Why, Christmas is all about the giving of the gifts. Well, Christmas is a special time in our family. Dear friend, without Christ, there is no Christmas. There is no giving of the gifts. There is no tree. There is nothing without Christ. It is highly appropriate that we come and worship the newborn king on Christmas Day. Oh, dear, the world's going to think you're crazy. It's because of your love for Jesus. You tell people you give money to a church, you do what? You, you tell folks you actually come to church three times a week, you do what? You tell people you believe in a God who created the world and in six days you is what? The world's going to think you're crazy. First John chapter 4 verse 8, He that loveth not God, for God is love. He that loveth, for he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. This is manifest the love of God towards us because God has sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. Mary's worship would have been looked at even in this time as an improper, possibly even immoral. But she, as the Bible says in John chapter 12, anointing the feet of Jesus, she wiped his feet with her hair. She didn't care what people thought about her. She didn't care what, what, what was going on around her. She just knew she needed to worship Jesus. So many folks are so caught up in everything else except for that one thing, living for one. Dear friend, it's not so important what people think about you. It's not so important what people say about you. What important is you please Jesus Christ. That's the main thing because when this all is over with, you and I are going to stand eyeball and eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ alone. We're going to stand before Jesus. And all that will matter is that we please him. Mary's worship. She worshiped him in spirit and truth. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, Verse 25, the, the fear of man is a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Don't worry about what people say. Realize you're, there's, a relia, there's a liability in serving to God. There's a liability in worshiping him. And accept that. Accept that. Most Christians won't live like, like Mary today. It's difficult in that day to be devoted, devoted to Savior. She was getting, he was getting ready to be crucified, and those who associated with him could go through some difficult times of trouble. That's why Peter ultimately would deny him. And dear friend, as the days get darker in this world, it's going to be more difficult for us to, to attach ourselves to Christ. When folks around us say, you know what, you ought to believe in this and this and this, and all roads lead to Jesus, we have to stand on the Bible and say, no, dear friend, the Bible says that only through Christ is salvation. 
Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come, come and father but by me. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Confucius. It's not through Muhammad. It's only through Jesus Christ. But that truth, that singularity is going to become less and less popular when they say, worship through Jesus Christ alone. Oh, there was a liability, but there's a personal responsibility. She was misunderstood. Mary knew her responsibility to anoint the feet of Jesus. Jesus was going to be crucified, and Mary knew it. The disciples, they somehow, they, though they heard it, they didn't get it. Uh, you, you know what, you ever thought you understood something, but you didn't? Like this electricity that, that we, we appreciate this morning, amen? I don't quite understand how it is to flip a switch and the light come on, but I'm thankful for it. I'm so glad this morning when I pushed that button on that Subaru, it came on. I'm so glad for that warmth and that heat that came on that Subaru that we came, came here early in the morning. I don't understand, but I'm glad I did. Hey, man, you better understand if you don't get your wife something by the 25th of December, 26th, going to be a bad day for you. you. You might not have figured that out, but let me tell you, it will be. It will be. <laughs> they didn't quite figure it out. But Jesus had told them over and over, Luke chapter 9, verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be raised the third day. Luke chapter 18, 33, they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Again, Luke chapter 24, Jesus said unto them, Thus it is written, It shall behoove the Christ to suffer and to rise them from the dead the third day. So over and over and over, Christ told the disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to rise again the third day. This is what's going to happen, but they didn't get it. Mary got the responsibility, and she showed concern. Do we show concern? I heard a story about a man by the name of Louis Pasteur. I mean, you've heard of him. Louis Pasteur, pioneer of immunology. He lived at a time when thousands of people died each year of rabies. But he worked on a vaccine that would help those who were struggling with, with rabies. There was a young man, a nine-year-old boy by the name of Joseph Meister, who was bitten by a rabid dog. And his mom begged Pasteur to experiment on her son. Pasteur injected Joseph for ten days, and the boy lived. Now, Louis Pasteur did many great things, but on his gravestone, he had three words. Joseph Meister lived. Joseph Meister lived. I wonder today, could we be identified on our gravestone by what we've done for Jesus Christ? Not what was said or was said about us, but could we say on our gravestone, Jesus lived in him. He worshiped God. We could say about Mary this morning, she loved Jesus. It was evident in her life. We see her concern, but secondly, we see her compassion. We see her compassion. She gave Jesus a wonderful gift. This, this gift, this box that was poured out on her that we see in verse 3, says, as they were in Simon the leper's house, they said at meat and came, the woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious. She break the box and poured it on his head. This spikenard, if I studied this, was a fragrant oil extract from the mountains of northern India. The cost of it was 300 denarii. What does that mean? It was a whole year's wage. Now, whatever you made last year, whether it be $50 or $500,000, imagine that today, put it in the offering plate. She, she gave a whole full year's wage to Jesus. You say, man, that sounds crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. But dear friend, I know one, I know one, one two things about life. 
You can judge a person by a lot of different things. This book and their wallet book. Hey, dear friend, if you know the word of God, you'll stay the word of God. But if you love the word, if you love God, you'll give to God. You'll give to God. You'll say, Lord, I'll, whatever you have. Some people come to me and say, preacher, what about 10%? Dear friend, it's more than 10%. It's your life. We sing that song all on the altar. Everything is his. My life is his. He just asked for me just 10%, but it really it's all his. It's all his, and she was willing to give that. You see, dear friends, I figure if Jesus Christ is willing to give everything for me, I ought to be willing to give everything up for him. That's, more, that's why it's more than just the money. It's a life of living. The widow gave two mites. This woman gave her entire work for a year. You know what? Because Jesus Christ had done it for us. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto you this born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus came to save me from my sins and because of it. That's a gift that's more, more valuable than any gift. This Christmas, you might get some precious things. You might get some wonderful things. You might get some things that, that matter. But most of us will get things that probably five days from now we'll forget what they are. Or they'll wind up in goodwill in about two months or two years for sure. But dear friend, when we have the greatest gift, which is salvation in Jesus Christ, that's a gift that never goes away. That's a gift that doesn't need batteries. That's a gift that can't be stolen. That's a gift that doesn't, can't be corrupted by, by mold and mildew that we have down here in Florida. I went through some, some old, some old uh, things in the, in the attic when I was getting ready to move down here, and I put them there. I thought it was a place uh, that would be secluded and be fine, but when I went up there to get them, they were destroyed because of the heat. They were, they were, they were ready for the garbage can. But dear friend, you can't lose your salvation in Jesus Christ. That's precious. It's precious. She had a gift. She was given a gift, and because of that, she had gratitude. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you are brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. It's all his because of the gift and what she was getting ready to go through. She recognized that gift. And she broke that alabaster box and poured that spike nard all over his body because she came to worship him, because he was worthy of her worship. And dear friend, he's worthy of our worship as well. What would you be willing this Christmas to give to Jesus? Is there a price tag on what you could give? I hope you get the opportunity someday to read about the life of William Borden. Remember, you, how many of you have drinking Borden milk? You're drinking Borden milk. I had, I had some eggnog just the other day. Borden milk. Bort William Borden was, <laughs> he was born in a rich family. Had a great inheritance. They were millionaires. For his graduation gift, he got the opportunity to travel the whole world. What a graduation gift. He'd come to faith in Christ under the ministry of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist. And when he traveled the world, he got to see the people. And seeing the people, he saw their needs. He saw them worshiping pagans. He saw, saw them sacrificing all their lives for that which did not matter. And he wanted to do one thing. He wanted to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he went to Yale and studied and became a prayer group there at Yale. Then went from there, went to seminary. And as he was went, going there, he was going to be rejected by those who loved him the most. He was 
he was uh, found, his parents told him, hey, if, if, you, if you go this direction, you're not going to be able to help you. We're not going to provide for you. You, you, ought to, you ought to stay in the family business and, and be wealthy and be rich. And after he re- renounced his own inheritance, he wrote in his Bible, no reserve. Continue on, searching for God's will in his life, looking for the opportunity to serve God. His dad said to him at a later point in his life, you'll never have a job here. There's no place for you. And he wrote in his Bible two other words. Not only did he write no reserves, he wrote no retreat. And he finally got over to Egypt where he was going to minister over there to those folks and share the gospel. And while he was over there, he got cerebral meningitis and died at 25 years of life. The last words were no regrets. No no regrets. He said, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. If your life was over at this moment right now, could you say no regrets? Based on how you lived this last week, your ideas, your thoughts, your passions, your dreams, your goals, your plans, could you say no regrets? Most of us in this room couldn't. Most of us couldn't. This woman, Mary, was willing to give up everything that was important to her. Her financial status, because Jesus mattered so much. We see Mary's concern. We see Mary's compassion. But we see Mary's commendation. We see Mary's commendation. But Jesus said in verse 6, Let her alone. Why trouble you here? For she wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye ye will, ye will, ye may do them good. But ye... But me, ye have not always with always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also she hath done shall be spoken for memorial of her. Dear friend, what we do for Christ will have eternal benefits. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and his Father with his angels, then he shall reward every one according to his works. Mark chapter 9, verse 41, Whosoever shall give a cup of water and drink in my name, because he belonged to Christ, verily I say unto you, ye shall not live his reward. You see, it's not the amount that you do, it's the motive of what you do. If you give a cup to a person in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you will have a reward. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 but ye love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. Your word shall be great. It shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the thankful and the evil. You want to you have a Merry Christmas? I want to show you how to have a Merry Christmas. The person who's done you the worst this last year. The person who's treated you the mo- worst. The person who's persecuted the worst. The person who's gossiped about you the worst. The person who stabbed you in the back the worst this year. Write him a, thanks, write him a Christmas uh, card and say, Merry Christmas. You say, I mean, that's, that's crazy. No, dear friend, that's not crazy. It's Christianity. And real Christianity is crazy for most Americans because we don't grasp it. Because we live in this place where the glory is about us, about what we do and what we have. But dear friend, when your life is about Jesus, it's not about what people think. It's about what Christ wants. Do we do we live our lives based on what Christ wants? Because everything we do that matters. You coming here this morning matters. 
You encouraging a friend again matters. You passing out a track, a gospel track, especially at Christmas time, matters. You inviting someone to come to Christmas Eve service, even if they say no, it matters. Everything we do in life matters. Your actions now will ripple throughout eternity. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. Oh, my friend, I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you doing for Jesus Christ? What, are you, what reward are you looking forward to in heaven? Someday we'll gather around that, that great throng of believers from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, all those who've been saved in Jesus' name, and rewards will be given out. Will we be there standing, waiting to receive those rewards only to cast them back at the feet of Jesus? Oh, what a great day there will be. The good we do for Jesus reaps eternal benefits. But dear friend, when we sin against God, there's an unknown cost. Look at this says here about Judas. In Judas in verse 10, one of the twelve sent unto the chief priests to portray him, portray him to them. When he heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Mary was with him just a little, t- little while. But she recognized the liability and responsibility. And she worshipped him by giving her him a year's worth of wages here he was Judas Judas who'd seen Jesus do the miracles he'd seen he'd seen Lazarus who was dead now alive he'd seen people who were demon possessed now healed he'd seen the blind see he'd seen the lame walk he'd seen all matter of miracles but here he is Judas Oh, dear friend, the evil that we do will last too. I've known a whole lot of Marys in my life. I've never met a Judas. What's the difference? Mary was willing to give her life to Jesus because she loved him. Judas was so concentrated on him and his goals and his plans and his expectations that ultimately he was betrayed for 30 pieces of gold. I met a whole lot of people who betrayed Jesus for a whole lot less than 30 pieces of gold. Here you have a woman who is willing to give Jesus pretty much everything. Her love, her devotion, her gratitude. And here you have a man who knew Jesus well. Was with him for three years, nearly. And he was willing to betray him. I I wonder, in our Christianity this, this past year, would it be said of us that we are more like Mary? in our love, in our care, in our compassion, in our gratitude? Or would it be said if we honestly, if people honestly looked at our lives, would it be said we'd be more like a Judas? Hey, when you're sitting there at the restaurant and you know you should bow your head, what do you do? When you know you should turn off that song that's on playing on the radio, it ain't, it ain't quite a Christmas carol, what do you do? When you know you ought to do what's right and you're struggling to do what's wrong and the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder, what do you do? That's, this, this last week I was uh, in that struggle myself. I was, at the tr- I was at the hospital visiting Brother Tannehill and this lady had just talked to her doctor and her doctor had given her some bad news about her brother and I knew it. And the Spirit of God said, Marty, go over there and pray to that lady. But my flesh said, don't do it. 
You go over there and say something. That lady may laugh at you. She may rebuke you. She may think you're a crazy person. Go over there. Don't go over, don't go over there. Don't go over there. Don't go over there. So I had this fight. You ever, you ever struggled? You ever had that fight? The flesh, the flesh says, don't, don't do it. You're in front of all, you're here in the hospital. All these people, they're going to laugh at you. They'll think you're a crazy person. But the Spirit of God says, you, you preacher? You, you say you're Pastor Who? So I'm sitting on my chair in a war. The war, the war is inside, an internal battle. So I call a brother in Christ, and I say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? I start talking to him, then I hang up the phone. She gets up out of a chair. She goes back to sit down in another chair. I said, the chair's uncomfortable. She said, yeah, the chair's uncomfortable. And finally, by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, I got up and I said, ma'am, is your husband in the hospital? She said, no, it's my brother. I said, what's your brother's name? She said, he's so-and-so. I said, can I pray with you about your brother? She said, I'm so glad you did that. She said, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to come over and talk to you. I wanted, I needed, I needed some prayer, but I was, I was, I couldn't do it. I, I, I just, and I said, ma'am, I understand. I, still, I have the same struggle, but I just want to pray for you. I got an opportunity to pray for this sister in Christ and for her brother. My flesh was just this close to, to, to winning. And dear friend, I'll be honest, most of the time my flesh wins more than my spirit should. I'll be honest. Mary had concern. Judas had conceit. Mary had compassion. Judas had criticism. Mary had commendation. Judas was condemned. Mary right now is praising the name of Jesus. Spirit. Judas is in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. He was right there in front of the greatest gift this world will ever see. Jesus Christ. And he rejected Jesus. Self-worth or the word? Mary or Judas? I wonder this morning, will we truly worship Jesus Christ as Christians? Or will it just be another holiday? Will it all be just about what's underneath the tree? Will it all just be about what's in the stocking? Will it all be what you gave, I gave? Or can we this Christmas give ourselves to Jesus? Dear friend, this world is not going to change until we who know him truly give ourselves to Jesus. What area are you holding back in your life? What habit, what hobby, what pattern of thinking are you caught up in that would not honor the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, dear friend, this Christmas, may we surely come before him and sing these songs from our heart. Oh, come, let us adore him. And may that adoration last more than just on next Sunday. May that adoration be all of our lives, every day, every moment. By the grace of God, may we truly surrender ourselves. As Paul said, I die daily. Oh, we might, might not be able to fix everything in the world. But dear friend, by the grace of God, we can change, by the grace of God, our lives. And impact those people around us. Just like Mary on that day impacted the lives of all those, all those folks who were around her in, Simon, in, in the Simon the leper's house. And we are talking about Mary today because of her simple act of worship on that day. May we truly worship Jesus this Christmas.
Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for allowing us to spend a few moments around your word. And Lord, I pray that everyone here truly knows you. Oh, one thing is to be religious, to know about Jesus Christ. But dear friend, I, I pray that we would certainly know him. I wonder, dear friend, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I didn't say 50% or 60%, but are you 100% sure? If you stand before Jesus Christ and he would say to you, why would I let you into heaven? What would you be your response? If your response is, I hope I get to heaven, that response is wrong. That's what I used to think. I used to think I'd get to heaven like I got to first grade by the skin of my teeth. But dear friend, it's nothing that I've done. It's only because of what Christ has done for me. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Dear friend, you're not going to get to heaven because you came to Stabbers Church this morning. You're not, going to, you're not going to go to heaven because you gave to a charity or because you tithe this morning. The only way you're going to get to heaven is by recognizing, first of all, that you're a sinner. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Our sin, which we, we, we obtained through our birth because Adam sinned, and because Adam sinned, he passed that sin upon all mankind. When we were born, we have a sin nature. The only way to be rid of that sin nature is to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wonder, dear friend, do you have everlasting life? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner and Jesus Christ is the only Savior and you place your faith in Jesus Christ? You say, if you would only known the bad things I've done. Oh, dear friend, it doesn't matter what you've done. It matters who you know. For whosoever shall call the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Oh, dear friend, if you call on him this morning, you will be saved. No matter what your background, no matter what you've done, no matter, no matter what you're planning in the future, you, you, do you do not know him? Oh, I pray that you would. With head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around saying, Preacher, I'm just not sure of my salvation. I'm not sure if I die, I go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all this morning like that? I'm just not sure of my salvation. I've doubted it. Maybe you've doubted it for years, but you just never could tell anybody. Ashamed to do it. How sad it would be to go to Christmas and Christmas but not know Jesus. How sad it would be to worship him on Christmas but not know him. Maybe you're here today and said, preacher, I've not been living for him. If, if, if someone looked at my life in all honesty, I could not say I've been a Christian who's been worshiping God this last year or even this last week. I've betrayed him. If I'm totally honest, I've struggled in my Christian life, and I need, to be, I need to love him more. I need to care about him. I need to be less concerned about myself and more, and more caring, more compassionate about God and others. That's my struggle this morning. Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest this morning?